Jesus went and asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And the disciples responded, right? Some say Elijah. Others say a prophet. So Jesus asked the follow-up. What about you? Who do you say I am? And, and Peter, being Peter, responds with a, a statement that, in, in a way that I imagine as, as children of God, we all hope we would have just on the, the tip of our tongue, right? When, when someone asks us a question that we'd be, ans- be able to answer it in the, the same way Peter did. Well, Jesus, you are the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus proceeds to then tell them what exactly Peter's statement meant. What did it mean that Jesus was the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God? He would tell his disciples, well, it means that I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be handed over to my enemies. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die. And on the third day, I will rise. And then do you remember what Peter's response was? The response that probably you and I, after hearing it, would say, no, I don't want to be like Peter anymore, right? He says, no, Lord, never. That will never happen to you, right? Why the difference in Peter's responses to to Jesus? The one that says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? A a, a faith in, in Peter's heart that was able to recognize exactly who Jesus was to the point that he was was ready and willing to confess, well, Jesus, you are the, the promised Messiah. You are God's son who has come to earth. And then moments later, tell the Messiah who had come to earth for the very purpose of dying for sin, never. I will do all in my power to make sure that that never happens, Lord. In Peter's mind, the Savior wasn't one who would come to suffer who would come to be handed over to his enemies. The Savior in Peter's mind wasn't one who was going to appear to be weak, who would be humiliated. Right? That the Messiah, that the Savior that Peter was hoping for wasn't the one that Jesus described for his disciples. And his response fits, doesn't it? He says, Lord, if that's who the Savior is, no, never. I'm never going to let that happen to you. I I love you. And and certainly there was some emotion there as far as Peter's feelings for Jesus as a friend and as a teacher. But at the same time, there was a mistaken picture in Peter's mind of what the Savior came to do and who the Savior was. The Savior Peter wanted wasn't the Savior Peter heard in Jesus' description. 
I suppose we could probably even go so far as to say the Savior that Peter wanted wasn't the Savior Peter needed. And then a week passes, and Jesus decides early one morning to take Peter, James, and John up a mountain. This wasn't an odd occurrence for Jesus and his disciples. In fact, it was something that Jesus did fairly regularly. We're we're told that Jesus would often go off by himself to, to pray and talk to his heavenly Father. And so it's not a huge surprise that at times some of his disciples would, would go along with him. And this time, though, he, he specifically chooses Peter, James, and John, and he goes up on a mountain. And, and we have what was recorded for us in our gospel lesson, right? This unbelievable occurrence occurs. Right? All of a sudden, Jesus changes, right? He's transfigured. The, the Greek word is, is metamorphosis, right? The, the picture that we have of a, of a caterpillar changing into something completely different, a butterfly, Right? He changes because he, he reveals to Peter, James, and John just a glimpse of his divine glory as the Son of God. And in the next instant, Peter and Elijah, two of the great Old Testament prophets, are there talking with him. And, and we're told that they're talking about Jesus' um, upcoming suffering and death and resurrection. And the disciples are a bit conflicted as they see all of this. Right? On the one hand, they see God's glory and it terrifies them. And on the other hand, they recognize being here in the glory of God is a good thing. And so Peter opens his mouth again right, and says, Let's, let me throw up some tents real quick. We can, we can, have, this, we can have this time last for, for a while, Lord. We don't have to leave quite yet. And then they hear a voice from heaven. God the Father speaks, and he says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the disciples are on their face, noses in the ground, absolutely terrified. And the next thing they experience is just a simple touch from Jesus. Right? Don't be afraid. And you can imagine them maybe just lifting up their head a little bit. And Jesus has changed, right? He's no longer shining like the sun. The voice is gone. The cloud is gone. It's just Jesus on the top of a mountain. And as they get up and they head back down the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anybody what, I've, what, what you've seen. and Instead, just wait. And you look at all of that, and you could rightly scratch your head a little bit and go, why did you show it to him if you didn't want him to tell anyone? Why all of a sudden, at this point in your ministry, Jesus, do you take these three disciples up on a mountain and reveal your glory, scare them half to death, and then tell them, don't tell anyone? Jesus was revealing to them exactly who he was, wasn't he? As he stood and he revealed to them a bit of his glory as true God, 
As God the Father spoke, there would be no doubt in Peter, James, and John's mind exactly who Jesus was. Not only the Son of God, but you put that together with the miracles Jesus had been doing, the preaching and teaching Jesus had been doing, and, and there would be no doubt in, in Jesus' mind, or in the disciples' mind, this is the Messiah. This is God's Son. Here is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and promises that God has given and you can imagine then perhaps some of the joy that would be in the disciples' hearts as they, they, they began to put some of these pieces together. And then you can fast forward a couple of months. And the disciples are in Jerusalem. And they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is arrested. And Peter and John go to the courtyard of the high priest and they see Jesus being walked back and forth between trials. And Peter denies him. And the next morning, or that same morning, they see Jesus taken to the governor. And he's sentenced to death. And before lunch, he's hanging on a cross. And before dinner, he's in a grave. And you remember what the disciples were like then? Afraid? Overwhelmed? Full of sorrow? Doubt? Despair? And on the one hand, with the hindsight that we have, we could look and shake our heads and go, especially Peter, James, and John here, guys, come on! He told you this. He told you exactly who he was. Don't you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration where you saw God's glory? This, while stunning, this should not have surprised you. And even if it surprised you a little bit, it shouldn't be something that is causing you to, to doubt and despair and sorrow because this is what he came to do. And yet in that moment, in the very thick of it all, the disciples missed it, didn't they? As they were in the very thick of everything that was going on in their life and in the life of their friend and their teacher, they forgot. For a moment, they forgot who Jesus was and why he had come and where it left them. Was it a, a state of doubt and despair and sorrow? with questions that said, I thought he was the one. And yet now he's dead. You almost get the feeling that the disciples had in their own mind a, a savior, and the savior they wanted was a bit different than the savior God described and said that they needed. Have you ever been there with the disciples? Hardship, suffering, difficulty, things that come into your life that cause you to, for whatever reason, completely forget the promises God has given to you? You know, when you've been really in the thick of it, and you've got a million things on your mind, and in the back of your head you know those promises, 
And there's a, a little bit of comfort that goes along with them, but they don't really seem that, lo- that real or that connected with what's going on. And so you, you begin to focus more and more on all the problems that are going on in your life, the things that are, are, are just seemingly overwhelming, that if, if something doesn't happen quick, what's going to happen is that I'm going to end up just becoming completely overwhelmed. And where you end up with is the same place the disciples were, right? Full of sorrow and doubt and despair and fear. And so where Jesus wants to take his disciples and where he wants to take you and me is back to that mountain. Because when we're on the Mount of Transfiguration with the disciples... Everything that happens after that makes sense. Right? In, in those moments of, of darkness and despair, Jesus takes hold of our hand, and with our eyes of faith, he, he reveals to us a glimpse of his glory as he did for Peter, James, and John. And he tells each one of us, remember who I am, and remember why I came. Right? After those three days... Jesus rises from the dead. He appears to his disciples. They're overjoyed. They they still quite haven't put all the pieces together. And so Jesus spends the next 40 days teaching his disciples. The Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, and more and more of those pieces get put together until Peter's able to write in our second lesson, in his first letter, right? And talk about how he was able to see the majestic glory, and now all of those pieces fit together. And while he may not have understood at the time the Savior, who the Savior was, and where his picture of the Savior that he thought he needed was far different than the Savior Jesus came to be, in the end, Jesus brought all those pieces together, right? And he said, I'm exactly the Savior you needed. A holy and perfect Savior. A Savior who came and lived in your place. A Savior who took on and appeared to be weak as he was handed over to his enemies. A Savior who seemed powerless as the the devil just seemed to do everything right and end up with that Savior on the cross. A Savior who seemed weak as he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And Jesus says, in that very weakness, what you saw was strength. Right? A Savior who took every last one of those moments of doubt and despair and sin and carried them to the cross. In those moments of weakness where he's, he's dying a, a criminal's death on the cross, a death filled with, with shame and embarrassment over every last one of our sins, you see strength because there the, the Son of God is going toe-to-toe with the devil and at the same time bearing the, the awful brunt of our sin and God's punishment, hell itself. Abandoned by God. And then three days later, he rises from the dead, and and you see the strength in Jesus' weakness as he he proclaims his victory not only over death, but the, the devil lays defeated. Our sin is gone, our guilt is wiped away. And he reminds his disciples, this is who I am. 
Right? I am your Savior. You, you, you caught a glimpse of me at the Mount of Transfiguration. You should have caught a glimpse of who I was and the miracles I did and the things that I said. But now you see it again, don't you? And the same is, is true for us. Right? In those moments in our life when, when things seem overwhelming, perhaps it's not our own memory that's stirred but a friend comes and maybe they don't say much, but they simply take us back to to God's love. Or maybe we're in the hospital and we're trying to figure out how all the things that have been going on, the things that our doctors have been telling us, how in the world they all fit into our life and, and can possibly be good. And your pastor comes and he takes you back to your Savior And he reminds you of God's love. Right? Or or those moments when there are tears in your eyes because your, your heart is full of sorrow and it's broken because a particular blessing you dearly loved has been taken away. And in the thick of it, it's easy to forget. And so you have a church family who gathers around you, right? And it reminds you of what? God's love for you. They take you hand in hand and and take you back to a Savior who's the exact Savior that you need. Right? A a Savior who is perfect and holy, who revealed himself to his disciples as, as the one and only true God, the perfect Savior we needed. A Savior who forgives us, A Savior who who washes away our guilt. A Savior who in every one of those moments is there with us, even when we forget. A Savior who is there to remind us that he's the exact Savior we needed. Maybe not the one we wanted. My guess in those moments when we tend to forget about our Savior, the Savior we want is the one who's going to come and make everything better. Right? The, the, the Savior who's going to come and remove every last difficulty and hardship from our life. The, the Savior who's going to come and take and just take sickness and whatever it is out of our life. And that's not always what Jesus does, does he? Because that's not the Savior that we need. The Savior we need is the one who came and did exactly what Jesus did, isn't he? Who told us he loved us and then showed that love by what he did. Suffering, dying, becoming weak, so that in that weakness he could make us strong. Became poor so that in that poverty he could make us rich with God's love. Took on death so that you and I could live forever. Maybe not always the Savior we want, but the exact Savior we need. So in those moments, when you forget, or in those moments when you remember, go back to that mountain with Peter, James, and John. And marvel at what Jesus does for his disciples as he reveals to them just a a glimpse for just a moment of who he is. And there see your Savior.
the exact Savior you needed, a perfect and holy Savior. Perhaps not the Jesus you wanted, but the Jesus you need. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service. You can also find us on Facebook.